everyone, and welcome to The Art of Podcasting, episode 26, Monetizing Your Podcast, recorded October 7th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, James is going to wow us all with his vast knowledge of AdSense, and we're going to sit back and be awed. I am. And that's pretty much how this is going to go. And that James, of course, is... Mr. James, the Professor Messer, ProfessorMesser.com. Hiya, James. Mark. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Sunday night, which is when we normally record this. How was your weekend? Uh, it was good. It was uh, a little crazy. Had uh, my four-year-old daughter's birthday party yesterday, uh, which was, you know, scheduled to go from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., People didn't leave until about 8.30, and of course, we spent all the rest of the day frantically cleaning, so as soon as anybody walked to the door, we could say, excuse the mess. Was there any type of clown or magician involved? No, no. Um, I'm too cheap for that. Uh, we, we just Actually, we had crafts planned and things we were going to do, but the kids were more interested in throwing tennis balls at each other, so we just let them do that. We have a standing wow. no clown rule in my house. <laughs> you want to be the only clown in your household? Clowns, clowns are freaky. They don't need to be anywhere near people. <laughs> I don't get that. And also with us, before we get too farther, is uh, Mr. Steve Cherubino of HowToPodcast.biz. Hi, Steve. What's going on? Just doing a podcast. Maybe you've heard of it. I have. I enjoy it. <laughs> Not it's that you great. ever listen to it. James is on record as saying he never listens to this show. <laughs> he was quite proud of that, too. That's right. It wasn't really a pride thing. It was just, you know, I've heard it already. As Mark Twain would say, I refuse to be a part of any organization that would have me. (laughs) James is proud of the fact that he is above any podcast on which he presents. It's clearly not worth my time. I don't know why anybody else bothered. (laughs) Oh, so uh, what's going on in your lives this week? Anything interesting or worthwhile, worth mentioning? I I have uh, been using this, uh, as I mentioned last week, I got that new audio interface, the PreSonus audio interface. And usually, it's been a week, it's usually about this point where I'm completely frustrated and disgusted with the audio interface that I've purchased. And I, I have to say, I've not even thought about it. It's just been running like a champ the whole time. I've, it's been fantastic. I'm I'm very pleased, except for the the bright light and the cornea problems from the <laughs> the laser beam on the front of it. Um, other than that, it's it's really been a nice audio interface. Um, I've been working very hard in listening to the the different stereo tracks in all of the games that I have, just to make sure it's working okay. Very very good good. Uh, I had an old friend, uh, or it's actually a, a father of a friend of mine, uh, back in the mid-80s when VCRs loaded from the top, um, who could never figure out how to set the clock right. And so his final solution to that was a piece of black electrical tape over the clock so that it would stop blinking. And that's how he solved that problem. Nice. Yep, that's what I have on mine. <laughs> Steve, anything you'd like to mention this week? Yeah, there's something that's really cool that I've, um, I'm revisiting. I'll give you a little background here. When I was podcasting back in the early days, I started a show called The Great Tech Debate. And um, I, I was doing video at that time for my podcast. And I was really trying hard to make my video presentable and you know, like using a green screen and having graphics behind me and stuff. And 
I'd have guests on the show for that show, three other guests, and usually they were just on a regular webcam and didn't care how really what was behind them in some cases. So I'm like, how can I make this show completely professional where everybody looks good? And I said, I got it. This will be the coolest thing. We'll do the show in a virtual world. This way, they just have to show up as their avatar. I'll design the room and make it like a Podnuts studio. Ah. And they will do the podcast inside the virtual world. And uh, I used Second Life for that. I, I did like one show of that. And I, built, I actually built a whole Podnuts studio. And I put some benches and plants and all kinds of stuff and made a whole space where we could do the show. And we did one show. Mike Smith was on it. Steve D'Amico was on it. And we, we sat on these benches and it just didn't work out it, it wasn't and i could tell from that end of that show it was wasn't going to happen um anyway so i gave that up and i just did normal video anyway last week i'm at ohio linux fest and jonathan nato of frostbitemedia.org uh was there and i met him for the first time he's a very cool dude i mean he, he actually started the accessible computing foundation and he he's he's blind and he's such uh you know he champions like accessibility for apps and uh, software and he's really into free software as well and he's like you know Steve I gotta tell you about this idea I've been thinking that you'd be perfect for and it, he's like there's a site called Open Wonderland and it's basically a platform where you have a virtual world and the audio in the virtual world is CD quality and there's and he, he named all these other benefits about it and so I'm like yeah I tried that a couple years ago and I'm but the more he talked about it the more I'm like well maybe I should try that again not as much for podcasting, but for music and try to put on like a virtual concert and invite people to this concert where I'll be up there like, like DJing or something and people will just show up to this room I build. And I just started revisiting that um, tonight and I, I downloaded the software and I was playing around with it. And it, it's so far, it's really cool. And for anybody who's podcasting and wants to try this, it's totally open source. It's free. It, the instructions are very easy to follow. And you can literally have full podcasts inside this virtual world without, with very little effort. So it might be a cool little avenue to try if you guys want to try something different for podcasting. Yeah, back when I was working in education, uh, the International Society for Technology Education, ISTE, uh, was all in on Second Life. They had uh, a whole... Uh, island there, a big chunk of, of space, and I went to one of their conventions. They're the the largest international uh, technology education organization in the in the world, uh, and I went to one of their conventions. Twelve thousand or so people there, and one of the keynotes was delivered from Second Life. An avatar uh. delivered the speech, <laughs> and uh, they were all in on it. And and I looked at uh, uh, Second Life uh, ways I might be able to do that in school because it's kind of cool. You get a three D look at the world. It it's great for like if you want to uh, talk about. Uh, the anatomy of the heart you can actually build a 3d heart and the kids can can manipulate it and move through it it was a it was a neat idea uh, until i started poking around there and saw that the adult arena had totally taken over second life it was uh it was everywhere and that would not be appropriate uh to bring into a school so i looked at uh open wonderland and this was uh probably three years ago and at the time it crashed on every computer i tried to run it on uh so that's been my experience with open wonderland Oh, well, they've definitely done some development since then. Um, was it open source back then or was it Sun running it? Uh, I think it had just become open source at the time. Okay. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, after it became open source, it probably, you know, forked out and took a nice turn and had more collaboration and work on, done on it, probably, I'm guessing. 
Um, but I just tested it tonight. And the cool thing about Open Wonderland is you run it on your own server. You don't have to let anybody else in. You have complete control of the world. So you don't have to worry about that whole Second Life thing happening. Yeah, and also, you know, because it's uh, uh, been a few years, all of the hardware we're running it on is better than what I was running it on three years ago. So I'm sure that yeah. makes a difference, too. Steve's yeah. got it pulled up for those watching the live stream. You get a get a sense for it. The avatars are fairly cheesy, uh, but uh, you know it's a neat idea anyway. Yeah, I'm going to explore it and, and just have a little fun with it and see if it's worthwhile. And uh, if not, back to the old drawing board. So if you've ever wanted to, uh, you know, run your own World of Warcraft environment, that you know, uh, Open Wonderland is similar. Yeah, but the, I actually was listening to an interview by the girl who's like the head designer of it, or, or lead developer or whatever, and she, she's basically saying, you know, this is for like professional use, right. corporate education. That's what it's designed for anyway. And she was, I think she was really trying to say like, this is not Second Life. It's not okay? a game, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to use it for, um, I guess prof- you could call it professional use, but just have some fun with some music. So let's see what happens with that. All right, that'll be interesting to uh, find out what you what you accomplish. I will invite all of you to the the dance party. It'll be interesting to see uh, you know how much one guy on one connection at home can support. You know, you might invite us all because you know we'll of course have to download our own clients and everything to connect, and you might find that three people crashes your server. I know, I know. I'm going to be doing some testing before I actually throw out multiple invites. Yeah. Hey, everybody come. Millions of people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's move on to the topic at hand, which is making more money off of your podcast or your website in general. We're we're saying podcast because that's the context of the show. But uh, generally speaking, the techniques that we're going to talk about are your website and not so much your podcast itself. So I'm just going to sit back, and uh, I'm going to let uh, James start. Ready? One, two, three, go. Dazzle us. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is that how it's going to go, this, this episode? That's, that's the introduction. That's all you get, brother. <laughs> well, we've all done this, though. We've all had to take uh, things on our site and monetize them. I think we've all tried different ideas, different types of things. One of the things Other, other than a donate button and an Amazon link. That's all that, I've that's ever tried. That's what you've done so far? Yeah, that's all I've done. And, and there's, there's so many other different things to try, too, because I've tried those as well. And I, I've had some of those work, and some of them work pretty well, and some, some of them not so much. Um, the, the first thing that I probably have to, to warn everybody if they're trying to figure out how can I make money on this is you really have to sit down and think about if you want to do the monetization in a certain way. Uh, Some sites do extremely well with affiliate links. We'll talk about those. Some sites do very well with Google Ads in a podcast environment, having advertisers on the podcast itself or those that can advertise on your page are often nice to have as well. But they're not all good for everybody. In some cases, you may be able to do all of it. In some cases, some might work okay for you and some might not. Um, I think on my site, I've pretty much standardized on AdSense, which is the Google advertising. And I've got a little bit of AdWords, which is me advertising on Google. Um, Not a lot of that, but a little bit. Um, And I don't do so much of the Amazon affiliate links any longer. And I don't really um, do 
my own selling of advertising on my website. And there's there's a few reasons for that. We can probably talk about them one-on-one. I'm, I've got a, a few things written down in my list of things to go through. Uh, but that's one of the things I think we'll, we'll sort of focus on because we could talk the things I've done with advertising. We could probably talk for a few hours about this. But I think what I want to focus on, at least for this episode, is just how would you even get started with this? How could you even get a dollar out of it? The first month that I had any type of revenue coming in, I think it was like $4.97 that month. And I think it's important to you know go ahead and bring this out from the beginning there, is that's a lot. $4.97, because you're talking about fractions of a penny per impression here. So don't get the idea that uh, somebody's going that Google's going to pay you $25 every time somebody visits your website. You're going to get uh, like 0.003 cents per click or something like it's that. It's not like that you anymore. Know, but it's it's got to add up. So just, I you think, know, set your expectations realistically. And I think that's the first place we should talk about is what is realistic with this because actually you you can do extremely well with Google AdWords if you approach it in the right way. But the first question that's always comes up is exactly what you just said, is how much you're really going to make off this thing? Well, fortunately, Google has a tool that can help you out with this. If you, Unfortunately, it's a tool that's available for people that have an AdWords account. And AdWords is, um, is Google's advertising mechanism for content providers. If you have your website, you have your podcast, AdWords is something you can use to advertise yourself on other people's websites. So this is not you making money from Google. This is you giving Google money. So AdWords is you buying advertising yourself to get the word out. And, uh, and I highly recommend, even if you don't buy any Google ads to advertise yourself, open up a Google account, if only to have access to the Google tools. Because the first thing you might want to think about is, how can, I, how can I create a business or create a podcast that's profitable or that can, has the potential for making some money? And you probably have in mind a lot of different ideas with a lot of different topics, but uh, you'll run into situations where you're wondering, how valuable is this content? If I do a, a podcast on butterflies or on quilt making or on Linux, which one of those is going to be more profitable? And so there is a, which one? Butterflies. Butterflies. We're going to go with butterflies. (laughs) Anybody else want to take a bet? How about you, Mark? Um, Quilting. Quilting. We're going to find out because Google has a tool built into their AdWords. When you have an account, there's an entire section in Google AdWords called Tools and Analysis. And you can go to something called a traffic estimator. And we aren't interested necessarily in buying ads anywhere because this is really designed to find out how much money would you spend if you had ads. But what it also does is help you understand if I put these types of ads on my site, how much would they be worth? Uh, if you start really looking at where the, the most uh, valuable keywords are in Google AdSense and Google AdWords, you'll find things that deal with uh, legal situations, people who are uh, looking for these, these cancer situations where they're trying to get legal representation. Those are very valuable ads where one click can get you $25. And so, of course, you see a lot of people trying to take advantage of that, even if they're not in the legal field. Um, running after those very high-paying keywords, it, just to be able to somehow 
feed off of that is not a very good business plan. You'll, you'll, you'll never do well long term. Your goal is to find a topic that is valuable to you, something you really like doing, and try it out. So I'm in the Google Tools and Analysis looking at my traffic estimator right now. Um, and, uh, and let's do some estimates. I'm going to do uh, uh, butterflies. I'm going to do, um, or just butterfly. I'm going to do, um, what was the other one? Quilts? <laughs> Quilt making? Quilting. Quilting. Yes. Quilt, quilting. Let's make sure we give it the, the appropriate nomenclature. And, and Linux, and get some ideas of just how many people would visit something associated with that. I bet there are more quilts than there are Linux. There, there very well may be. Now, to be able to see numbers associated with this, you have to put in how much would you be willing to pay for an ad for these types of, of different uh, topics. And I'm just going to put in $10. I'm never going to pay $10 for this. But then suddenly you get an explanation on your screen. Google will tell you how many clicks a day would you expect to get from these different topics? Uh, on Butterfly, you would get 6.7 clicks. Quilting would 42.34. And Linux, 12.21. Quilting is incredibly popular along nice. those lines. So, you win, Mark. <laughs> for the win. Quilting for the win. Now, one of the challenges you have with this, however, and here's what you have to think about when you're planning this out, is that... If you were going to buy ads on it, it would cost you a lot more to do that. Those ads are more valuable. The, the average cost per click for quilting, though, is only $2.61. The cost per click on Linux, even though it's less popular, so to speak, uh, these numbers, we'll talk about how po the popularity of this and how this works, because this is really based on the, where the ad is positioned on the page and a lot of other things. But this gives you a, a basic idea. But notice the average cost per click for Linux $4.63, $2 a click more than Linux. Now, this is the cost you would be paying to put an ad with this particular topic on a web page. Linux is a pretty valuable ad. Now, if you were providing, if you, were, you had a website that had Linux things on it and you had Google ads on it, if somebody clicked that ad, the total cost for somebody to put that ad there was $4.63 because you put the ad on your site or you allow Google to put their ads on your site, you get a percentage of that. And what Google is, has told us in their uh, annual statements is the people who are providing the ads, the, the websites that put their ads out there, get just about over half of that number. So if you estimate about 50%, if somebody clicks on an ad, you get about $2.30. That's, that's not bad. Linux, Linux is a pretty good topic to have ads on it. Now, of course, the, the ads that are there have to be something people want to click on, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But that gives us an idea now that if we wanted to do a Linux podcast, those particular ads, and if we did a lot more searches, you would find those ads are worth quite a bit. And if we're getting a lot of people coming to our site that are very focused in Linux, the ads are going to be Linux-oriented because Google figures that out automatically you could you could do pretty well with that topic. I now, like that topic. Just just to be um, sure that we're thorough about this, those are that's a click through. Somebody came to your site, saw the ad, clicked on that ad, and went through to the other site. That's, that's right. when you get the money. You don't get uh, that for just displaying the ad for just the impression, yeah. as they call it. Right, and Google does pay you an impressions per thousand. That is a penny or two per thousand impressions. So you don't you don't really make any money on number of impressions. So I don't even bother looking at number of impressions. Where you make your money with Google AdSense, 
which is you providing these ads and putting these ads on your website for people to see, you make the money when people click it. So that's where you really want to focus your efforts on figuring out, do I do a podcast? Well, if I do a podcast on quilting, that's okay. The the butterflies aren't as popular. The number of impressions there is 879 versus 4,000. So not even close to being as popular, but it pays better than quilting. So now you have to do a numbers game and figure out in your head what makes sense for you. Do you go with quilting even though it's less popular, but it pays a little bit better? Or does it make sense to go to Linux, which is pretty popular and pays really well? And now you've made a business decision and you can figure out what, your, what topic you want to go down. So that, that tools and analysis that's built into AdWords for your keyword estimator, your, your traffic estimator, uh, I think is what they call it. Let me make sure I got the name right. Traffic estimator is the one that can help you get to that point. Um, and that, that'll really help you when you're trying to do research and figure out which way to go with this. So let's say you've already made the decision. For example, we have a show about podcasting. So that decision is made. So how do I go about making money off of that? So now you have to flip around and use the other Google product called Google AdSense. Google AdSense is one for content providers like us. We own web pages, we have podcasts, and we want to put Google ads around our content so that we can, can make some money off of this effort that we're going through. Um, before you are able to sign up for Google AdSense, you have to have a web page to put these on. Currently, Google supports uh, ads on web pages. Um, they will put ads uh, in a mobile type environment. They used to put ads in your RSS feeds. They recently announced they're not going to do that any longer. So they're really focusing on web pages, or at least the focus of that. They also put those ads on YouTube. So if you're ever watching a video and you notice a, a, an ad pops up at the bottom of the video, those are Google AdSense ads. And if it's your video and you have uh, partnered with Google with AdSense and somebody clicks on that ad, then that goes into the same bucket. You get money when somebody clicks on that. Now, it's important to understand from a, from a, a website and, and, and content provider perspective you are not allowed to encourage people to click these ads. That is highly forbidden, and Google will throw you out of the system if they find that. They have a very, very complex set of algorithms that's able to determine if there's people that are doing false clicks. If they find out after the fact there are false clicks, they will take the money out of your account. So there, there's a lot that they can do to make sure that everything is on the up and up. You just put the ads there, and that's it. From that point on, it's up to whether people like them or not. So before you're able to sign up for Google AdSense, you have to have a web page. And you must do that part first because then you go to Google and say, I have a web page now. I think you'd really like it. It's not anything that would be uh, beyond the terms of service for AdSense because there are certain web pages AdSense will not put their ads on. We can think of many types of, ad, of websites that will do that, not just things that are inappropriate, but things that are also uh, adult type of things. There's, there's a big list on their terms of service when you sign up. And uh, once you do that, now there's about a week or two while a person goes to your website, looks at it, and says, yes, we're going to let you into the Google AdSense program. And then at that point, the fun begins. It is, it is at that point where we take, uh, from a, uh, a website perspective, where we start putting these ads on our site. And what's interesting about this is this is not um, where we are sticking an ad on the site and it sits there. All of this is done automatically by Google. And this is really the beauty and, and the ease of the AdSense program is if you're running WordPress, 
There are a lot of little WordPress widgets that you can get in WordPress add-ons for AdSense. If you're running Joomla, there are Joomla add-ons. If you are running other content management systems, there are add-ons for those content management systems that will make this very, very, very simple for you if you are not a web page kind of person. If you're like me and you like to get into the HTML and edit yourself, you can do that as well. The, the nice part about this is you just put a little bit of text, just a little bit of code of AdSense and some JavaScript on your web page, and that's it. You don't specifically put an ad on your site. You simply put a placeholder that goes out to Google every time somebody visits your site, grabs the ad from Google, and sticks it on your page. And what's great about this is Google has already crawled through your website. They've already looked at every page you have. And if you have a page on quilting, you've written an article on quilting, you have a podcast on quilting, the text on the page is all about quilting, then all the ads on the page will have information that's relative to quilting. And how long does that process take? I write the blog entry today. How soon before those relevant contextual ads pop up? It's very, very, very fast. Um, In some cases, Google has already figured out that certain pages on your website are commonly have certain topics associated with them. So even if it hasn't crawled your site and determined what that article is about, it knows pretty much what your site's about. It goes, well, that's a a quilting site. I'm going to throw something up there. But I've tracked Google on mine, and it's a matter of hours before they've crawled on my site, sometimes faster, gone ahead and indexed everything on the page, and now I'm able to get that information. They increase the crawl rate as your website becomes more popular, and there are other things you can do behind the scenes to improve that and make it easier for Google with, uh, with these XML sitemaps. That's another conversation that we can have on another episode. But there's some nice plugins you can get for your content management that every time you update your website, it sends a note and updates things over at Google to let Google know, hey, I got a new page. Might want to check that out. Come crawl that so you have it in your list and you can put more context-sensitive ads around it. And it, it, is, it, it behooves Google to do this because the better the ads are that people are reading, the more money they're going to make. And Google makes a lot of money off of this AdSense program. The, uh, the thing that I run into then is, is more of, a, of figuring out where on the page things go. Because Google says you can have uh, an ad that is a big square on your page. It's, you can make little tiny text ads. They can be graphical ads. They can be tall skyscraper ads. You can have four ads on a page uh, in a big skyscraper. You can have three. Maybe you just want to put one at the bottom. You've got such a large number of options available to you. And the real secret to AdSense in many ways is optimizing how that will look for your site. And there's a a whole lot of different methods to go about doing that. And Google has some nice tutorials on how you can do uh, these these, uh, tests on your site, these A-B tests, where they will put half of the pages and show information one way, and half of the people that come to your site, they'll show the information the other way, and then you can compare the A versus the B. It's some interesting ideas behind how you would optimize the ad sets, but that is, that's a very common way to do it. When it comes to this sort of stuff, is uh, Google the only game in town? Is AdSense all there is? There, there are other context-sensitive advertising methods out there. Um, but but it's one of these situations where they are all very much very much also rands out there in the industry. Um, Google is by far the the largest context sensitive ad program that's available out there. But there are other 
options. At one point, Yahoo had some options for context-sensitive ads, and the the content the Yahoo Publisher Network is another one that that used to be around, and they gave up two years ago and said, you know what, we we're just not even going to compete with Google anymore. Now, of course, that's that's probably a bad. Um, bad example because Yahoo's not really doing all that well. They're trying to come back now. But there's a really good example of, uh, of a very, very profitable thing to do on the internet, which is to provide ads. And they even got out of the business. So these they, days, they actually have, started it. <clears throat> they, were, they created yeah. it before actually Google did with over, it was called Overture, I think. Um, and then that turned into Yahoo ads. And Google just, I think Google saw that and said, wow, we could really perfect the heck out of that. And then Google just dominated from then on. But yeah, so what, yeah, what, what I think a lot of people don't realize, Google is not a search company. Google is an advertising company. And search and mobile and maps and all that is to drive people to their ads. Those are all supplementary uh, protocols just to get people to, to click on and buy and use their ads. It's how they make all their money. That's exactly where they make their money. Uh, a good, a good com alternative to Google is uh, Chitika is another really good uh, context sensitive. They're probably one of the larger competitors with Google. Um, they have some nice options for context sensitive ads, and those those have worked pretty well. I'm I am a member of the Chitika advertising program, but I don't use them because I'm having such success on the Google side of things. And because Google's just made it so easy, that's, that's the real key. They, they scope out the internet to know what's there. They understand every page that you're going to visit. They give you ads that are specifically directed to you. So if I go to Google, this is, this is what happened to me over the last month. I went to Google because I wanted another advertising interface. And I went to the Sweetwater website. And by the way, this week I got my winner 2013 Sweetwater Pro Gear magazine, which of course... Uh Gives you a very nice summary of the audio interfaces. They have a great Damn, chart. I gotta sign up for that. Oh, I and they have uh, iPad versions of this whole catalog and everything on site. I'm sorry for the for that. I'm a I'm a catalog geek. I love to go through the catalog. You're Don't a be sorry for that. geek. Don't be sorry for that. That's good. the new the new Sweetwater Pro Gear uh, catalog is out. So um, I went to Google and I I typed in. USB audio interfaces. I typed in PreSonus. I typed in a lot of different, and because I wanted to see what was out there, read some reviews. And as I went around to other sites, even sites that weren't specifically associated with anything relating to audio, I started seeing PreSonus ads pop up. I started seeing audio USB interface ads pop up. I started getting direct feedback, and it was Google AdSense because it recognized who I was, it tracked where I was going. And that's, that's really the beauty to me of that Google advertising is everybody sees something different. They see something different based on what's on the page they're reading and based on where they have looked in the past for other types of items or objects or things that they have searched for. So it's, uh, it, it's very interesting how well it's integrated into everything we do in these pages that we go to on the internet. Steve is right now filling out the form to sign up for the ProGear catalog. I can see that. He's focusing on that. I can't believe I don't get that thing. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I don't get a lot of paper things, but it's nice and thick catalog, and it's got, uh, it's, it's such a great catalog. And uh, By the way, I, I just I, want to point out that everything you just said about uh, getting the ads for the PreSonus, uh-huh. the, uh, the tinfoil hat contingents of our audience just went into a mild coma. 
sure. uh, as a result of that because you're losing your privacy. Google is tracking you. They know everything about you. They, they, they are watching where you are going. They aren't rolling it up, I guess, if you wanted to be a, a tinfoil hat person, you could say they're watching where you're going. And wow, you're really bothering watching me go to Reddit and watching a video on a chipmunk. Well, knock yourself out. You know, there's, <laughs> there's really not, you're not much you're going to be able to gather from that. Um, a lot of people say, no, I'm going to turn off my, um, my cookies. Uh, one of the big things lately in technology is this new do not track mechanism for web servers that will also be integrated into the browsers so that nobody can track where you're going. Um, and, and it's really, a, um, it's going to hurt you. It doesn't really hurt advertisers. Our ads are still going to be shown to people. But the difference is that you're going to get ads that don't apply to the things you're interested in. And you're, you're still going, to get, going to get ads. That's the you're important still going to get thing. Ads. Yeah. You're still going to get ads. Nothing you do will change that. No. You're not going to bring this industry to its knees because you do the do not track hatter. They're just going to be uh, less relevant ads. That's right. And a lot less relevant ads. So that's where you get into um, challenges with trying to um, balance out what you want to do. Now, uh, along those lines, there are plugins and add-ons you can get for many browsers that will block ads. Adblock is a good example of things like that. Unfortunately, for people like you and me that are one-man shops, we're trying to build a company. Uh, we have what we hope to be a, a, a product that is valuable to people. They like to listen to it. They like to come to our website. They like to participate. And we work very hard. And there's money involved to keep these websites going. There's time out of what we're doing. We're building more content and putting it online. And there's computers that we use. We have to buy all of those things. If you block ads on my site, then I'm not going to have the revenue from you visiting. Whether you click or not, there's still an upside to people coming and just seeing the advertising itself. So if there is a website you really like, uh, definitely Podnuts and definitely the, 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 uh, the Element Opie and the Professor Messers of the world would greatly appreciate it if you were to um, take your ad block and put those particular websites that you really like and you really support on the exceptions list so, so that the ads will be shown to you. So at least we have maybe at least a, a chance or an opportunity to do that. Now, Google makes an awful lot of money every quarter. Um, and this is why I, I, I hear people all the time saying, I'm not going to bother with this Google AdSense things because um, how much money can you can you possibly make with Google AdSense? Um, there's there's quite a bit. Um, in uh, in 2012, I guess they just finished their Q2. Um, their revenue, I don't think they break out um, specifically all of their revenue. But let me flip all the way down to just the the everything that they do. Boy, they don't roll everything up for me and make it easy. Um, but total revenues, um, and this is in the millions, it was uh, $10 billion for Q2. So That's awesome. not, not $10 million. It's it almost $11 billion. Um, So you made about $500 million of that, James? I'm just going to I wouldn't be on this podcast. I'd, I'd have found somewhere else to be, and there would, be an, there would not be an internet connection there. That's the point um, at which he would literally be too important to be on this show. <laughs> to be anywhere. 
<laughs> for that matter. Um, no, but it does po- does speak to the fact that they're bringing in a lot of revenue, and it's out there for you to get. There are businesses and companies out there doing AdSense where people have quit their day job, and this is what they do now. Um, Google has a lot of stories that they do on their website about these people that do AdSense, and I'm hoping I can do the same thing. And the business models that we have that we do are completely viable to make those things happen, but it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to, um, to build the content and optimize that advertising on your website. So it's a job is what you're saying. It's it, a job. It, yeah, it, it's it, not easy. It, nothing's easy or else it would all just kind of fall into your lap. But, but that's certainly a viable alternative. Contextual-based ads that you seek that come up on your website are a great way to monetize your podcast, a great way to monitor your, monetize your website. You don't have to do... Uh, stick ads in front of everybody's faces. You have complete control over it. You can put what type of ads you'd like. And at the end of it, you may find that it's a, a viable revenue for what you're doing. So if you're doing a podcast, this gets particularly difficult uh, in that the vast majority of your audience will never visit your website. They will subscribe to your RSS feed on their device of choice, even if that's their computer or their mobile device. Um and they will get their stuff that way, and that they won't go to your website. So you got to, if you're going to do this, and you're primarily a podcaster, you've got to give them a reason to go to your website, produce some ancillary content, make show notes that are so detailed and specific they that it drives people to them. So there there is an extra layer of work that's going to be done. That we've talked often about the work involved in putting on a podcast. It's no small thing. So uh, if you're going to look for a stream of revenue off of uh, ad placement on your site, that's a whole other job you're going to have to do. You're going to have to make sure the content on your site is worth having uh, people visit and secondarily worth Google putting an ad on. Right. Maybe you build a community. Maybe you have something on your website that you mention on the podcast that people can go to every week and get an updated version of a document. Or maybe it's a situation where you take your entire podcast and have somebody create transcripts, and now the transcripts are on your website, and people searching around for certain topics will run across the transcript and spend time on the website reading your podcast rather than listening to your podcast. It's but, still, still going to be tough for an audio show. For an audio show, it, it is still tough to make the bulk of your money from people visiting your website. Um, you do have to get crafty and create reasons for them to go in your content, but James does video, and see people are already looking at something so you have the benefit there right james of like even if you have a video on youtube you could say go to professormesser.com bam they go right to your site they're already like able to get to your site easily because they're on a device where they're looking at something whereas like most people who listen to my show are in their car and it's kind of a pain so we'll go over other ways of of making money with an audio show but James, I got a question for you. Do you. So the bulk of your income um, from what you're doing with pr- the whole Professor Messer site is from AdSense. Is that right? I try to get uh, at least 50% of my revenue from that online advertising, whether it's AdSense or other methods. But my goal is to get 50% from there. That's really good. I mean, if you could pull in that from, from AdSense, I mean, you really got a good system there. And I've, I've even asked James off the air, like, you know, so for some tips. So he's he's really giving you guys good advice here, and uh, I would definitely go back and listen to the show a couple times if you want to monetize your site for good. 
I think I've probably read every AdSense and, and followed every AdSense book, training course, or thing I could get my hands on. And it, it, it's a constant tweaking. It's a constant lab. But along the, the lines of an audio podcast, you might want to shift your direction to things like affiliate sales or shift it into advertising on your show. And that, that brings in a different type of advertising. It's still advertising, but that's usually um, another good way to do it. So for uh, for Element Opie, does Element Opie have a, an Amazon link, Mark? We do. We have an Amazon link. That's all we've got, elementopie.com slash Amazon. Uh, and by the way, if you are a fellow podcaster out there and you have your own Amazon link, you don't get credit for using your own link. So use but, mine, uh, and I'll use yours. What do you mean? You don't. You know, if you buy something from your own link, you don't get money for that. You don't get the the one percent or half percent or whatever. They oh, they just discount that from your list. So, Steve, when I buy something, I go to your site and do it because I'm not going to get the benefit. If somebody's going to get the benefit, it might as well be somebody I know. So, uh-huh. well, I'll go to yours. I didn't know that. To be honest, I usually forget to go to any. I just go. <laughs> I tell my listeners, go to podnuts.com slash Amazon, podnuts.com slash Amazon, and then I forget every time to go to somebody's link. So, yeah. Well, that's a, a perfect thing to, to do, though. That's a great way to advertise your affiliate piece, and Amazon gives you so many options to do this. What The way this works is that Amazon, of course, is a place you go online. You can buy things. Buy but anything. Uh, buy anything. So, Steve, really. if you see some size 5X boxers come across your thing in the near future, that was me. <laughs> Amazon also allows people to put Amazon ads on their site. And it, for instance, if you go to elementopie.com slash live, and you should absolutely do this as you're thinking about your holiday purchases, you're planning for Christmas, you're planning for Hanukkah, you're planning for the new year, make sure you think about going to elementopie.com slash live. There's a perfect way in that last 30 seconds where you can get in people's minds, I really need to support this podcast I really like this podcast. Let me make sure. One thing that's different about Amazon is you can encourage people to do it, whereas with the Google, it is strictly forbidden. Well, that gives you a lot of options. You could take 20, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute out of your podcast and explain to people how important it is about doing this. And on your site, you can either have a direct link to Amazon. You can build an entire uh, a huge storefront. Storefront, you could put things specific. Maybe if your podcast is about certain books, you can talk about a book that you read. You can review the book and say, if you'd like to read this book and support this podcast, go to our website, elementopie.com slash Amazon. I've got a page there that's going to, you can buy the book right there. You pay nothing extra. It's exactly the same as if you went to Amazon directly, but Amazon gives us a percentage of the revenue for sending you there. And, and that's what I. That's the thing a lot of people don't get. It's a, what's you know do, do I pay more? Am I paying a tax because I go to your, no no? It's it's exactly the same thing. The only difference is they uh, it's not even a cookie. It's a it's a web link that they set up for for you that everything shoots through uh, for that session only. So the next when you close your browser and go back, it doesn't count anymore. So it's tracking everything you do, um, and I, I think. I think if you do have cookies enabled, uh, you can get credit for the sale up to three days later. So if you go through, uh, go to Amazon through elementopie.com slash Amazon, and you're looking at uh, a remote-controlled helicopter, um, and then you go back within three days and buy that same thing, it'll remember that you went through my site, and, and I get uh, a percentage of that. You pay exactly the same price. There's no difference to you. It's just a, it's a referral uh, fee. It's a, it's a commission. 
for saying, hey, I push people to your site, uh, so I, I get a commission on that. And just this, yes. uh, this, just this week, I cashed my second commission check. I've had right. an Amazon link up for two years, and in two years, I've gotten two checks. Uh, they only send you a check if you reach uh, if you go over a hundred dollars. So in two years, I got my second check, and this one was a hundred and forty-one dollars. So nice. I'm not exactly getting rich off of that, but you guys gave me a hundred and forty-one bucks. So thanks for that, listeners. Uh, that's free money where I didn't have to do anything, and you didn't have to do much. It's a good way to do things. If, yeah, and, if go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, affiliate marketing is a great way to make money with your podcast. I mean, you're basically selling other people's stuff. You don't have to have anything. You just have to recommend things and have links for things and send your listeners to those links. If they buy something, you get a piece. Now, Amazon in particular is a great, it's like almost the, the most used commission, affiliate commission link for podcasters and other things because because Amazon is a marketplace that has everything. And their commissions so, are really high compared and to the rest of the commissions industry. are great. So they're really doing it right. And um, any podcast of, for, for any topic can have Amazon links and do well with that because there's on quilting. I bet you could find stuff on quilting at Amazon. I bet you could find stuff on butterflies at Amazon. You could find stuff on Linux at Amazon. So no matter what your podcast is about, it's a great thing to promote to uh, create an Amazon link and do that. Now, I do affiliate marketing for other products too. And see, when I run out of my own products to promote, I promote other people's products. That's affiliate marketing. That's what James and Mark are talking about, aff- affiliates. So if you hear this word affiliates, think in your head, oh, I'm not creating a product. I'm selling somebody else's stuff. I'm teaming up with somebody and they're paying me for it. And um, I've, I've done that with a lot of people in my field, computer repair field, just go online or go in Google and do a search for keywords in your field. Find out what people are selling in your field and then ask that guy. Say, hey, look, I got a thousand or so people listening to my show. If I tell them about your product, you're going to give me some commission? And I'm like, yeah, I already have an affiliate program set up. All you got to do is sign up here. So aside from Amazon, there's lots of different sites that have affiliate programs you could sign up for. And if you find one that's really targeted to your audience, you could do really well, if, especially if you, and most importantly, you have to you know, understand that product and back up that product and probably have used that product yourself. Don't promote anything that you're not quite sure about. Yeah, I was just looking on your site right now, <clears throat> Steve, at the footer, you have uh, a link to the TechNibble uh, Computer Business Kit. So that's, that's, I'm assuming, an affiliate where somebody created this thing and uh, there's a particular link you go to, podnuts.com slash technibble. They're tracking that. And for every person that you send there, you get X, right? That's right. Yeah. A couple years into my show, I said, uh, who else is doing computer repair podcasts? Who else has computer repair sites? And I found TechNibble. And I contacted uh, the owner of TechNibble, Bryce, and me and Bryce have been friends ever since, you know, and I said, Bryce, you have an affiliate program? Yeah, I have this computer repair uh, business kit. I'm like, well, my guys could really use that. So uh, he has an affiliate program and I promote that. And I, I, it, affiliate program has been, affiliate marketing has been working pretty good for PodNuts. So I created a whole page at podnuts.com slash deals where there's like 10 products that I am an affiliate of those products. And if anybody buys any of those products with any of those links on that site, I get a commission. And I do, I do pretty good with that. So as long as you have targeted products, you care about the products, you know those products are good, promote them and uh, make some money with your show through affiliate marketing. 
There are yep. a lot of different affiliate marketing programs. The Amazon is probably one of the most popular in the world. There's Commission Junction. There's ClickBank. You find the one that works for you. Find the one that pays how you like it, has the products you like, and consider doing that for your podcast as well. Um, anything else? I want to move on to another idea for making money on your podcast. Anything else on affiliates before I leave it? Well, I just want to say one thing that uh, this goes back to the the topic we had last week about setting the tone of your show. Um, you have to decide how much marketing for yourself or for other people you're willing to do. Uh, if you want to be the digital advertising whore and just take an ad from anybody for anybody for any reason, that's a choice. If you want to say, I'm only going to market products I personally use, that's a choice. And I'm not going to say one is wrong or, or, or one is right. It's just that goes along with the tone of your podcast. It, um, because you're uh, leveraging your reputation every time you make a recommendation to somebody. So on this show, we've spent 26 episodes building a reputation with you, uh, letting you know who we are and how we think and what we do. And one uh, ill-advised link on my website could totally destroy that reputation. So you have to be really careful about the marketing that you choose to do and make sure it, it uh, is commensurate and in line with the rest of your show. Otherwise, you're going to alienate your audience and your advertisers and everybody loses. Let me give one example of this before we move on to the next one. Uh, just recently, there is an ebook that I read um, about fixing electronic components because I get a lot of questions about how to fix motherboards of laptops and I don't have anything in my videos for that. So I found this ebook and uh, it was written from a person who his, you could tell his native language was not English. So there's all kinds of grammatical errors in this ebook. I contacted him. I said, look, I want to promote this to my guys. Do you mind if I edit your ebook and give it back to you? And then we could, they could download that version. And he's like, sure. I edited this ebook. I corrected over a thousand grammatical errors. Got it. Got the English perfect to my standards anyway. I'm, I'm a guy from Philly, so it's as good as it's <laughs> going to get. And uh, <laughs> sent it back to him. He posted it up, and I promoted that product. So because because of what like what Mark said, I didn't want people to get it and say this this doesn't sound very good the way it's written. It's not. There's so many errors. I fixed all the errors, so I, I felt good about backing that product. And you should do that. You should maintain. You know your quality on your the products you promote. All right, what's the next one? Well, I was going to move into um, the idea of a podcaster is often someone who's also creating their own products. And I noticed in the show notes, Steve, you would you would even put a note about creating products of your own. Maybe I don't want to I don't want to take anything away from what you might have wanted to say. Maybe you can start that conversation. Okay. Um. I think it's a really successful thing to do if you are the host of a show and then you yourself create a product about the topic of your show or whatever your, your show is about. Like uh, my show is about computer repair. I created a product on how to repair laptops. It's a, it's a win-win in that case because people are listening to your show. They continue listening because they like your content. They like you. They like what you have to say. They trust you. They're giving you their time. Those people will also be much more inclined to buy a product from you that you recommend or even better that you created and you know that they know you're going to back. You know what I mean? They know you're going to be a stand-up person about that product. So uh, I had really good success doing that with my laptop repair videos. And I recommend to uh, anybody doing a podcast, 
you're already passionate about the topic. It's obvious because you're doing a podcast about it. Think about how you can make a product to sell to your listeners that would benefit them and benefit you. And it would basically fuel you continuing to do your podcast and you paying your bills and you being able to survive and eat. So uh, that, I think creating products is a great way to, to add to your podcast. That's what I did. And I'm sure James has some good stuff to talk about that too. Because now that you have your own product, other people become affiliates of you if you would like to sell your product that way. you can. Many of these content management systems have affiliate programs built into them where you can put your own products on there and sign other people up. A lot of these other programs like ClickBank allow you to put your product on ClickBank and then anybody can sell your product and just ClickBank just sends you a check of your affiliate uh, revenue. And that makes it very, very easy. They just take a management cut off the top. Um, about half of my sales come from affiliate sales because I use ClickBank. And okay. half of my sales come from people I don't even know. They found my product on ClickBank and they're selling it on their own. So it's, that's, I love ClickBank. If you have a physical product, like I have a, a DVD ROMs that are training materials, I went to Amazon and said, I want to sell my product on Amazon. And I signed up with them. And I have physical product that I ship to an Amazon w- warehouse and now people can buy it and get their two-day delivery, their next-day delivery of those products directly from Amazon as well, even though I also sell them directly on my website. On Amazon, they take a, a much bigger cut out of the revenue I would get because they are the primary seller of that product. It's effectively a, an affiliate program that they are running. Um, How but, much the and, cut? And, you know, James? What's that? How much is the cut? It, it's a lot. <laughs> it's, 40% or something? But uh, it's, it's a very large percentage. I should go back and look and see what the latest ones are. Um, I've just not even looked at the reports recently. Uh, yeah, because I, I signed up recently and I, for some reason, if you sell the product yourself and you don't store it at their warehouse, it's cheaper. But if you have them do everything, what's it, like 40%, 50%, something like that? It, it's not horrible. Uh, I have all of mine on, on the, in the Amazon warehouse. They handle all the fulfillment. I simply ship it around. I ship actually to multiple Amazon warehouses. Um, but for instance, on a on a two hundred dollar product, the fees and shipping comes to about forty five dollars. Okay, so not horrible. I mean, most affiliate programs are often fifty yeah. percent uh, cut of that. But consider, of course, that that's a physical product. I also had to create there as well. Was there a minimum top. number you had to send in to to make that happen? Um, I, I don't think so. I think I started with just 10 or something like that. There wasn't a, a huge I th- number. I think it I- says enough so that they're not constantly running out or something along those lines is yeah. how much they want you to send them. And that's not a bad idea. It's a, just another way to take advantage of that behemoth that is Amazon. There's no slotting fees, which are extra costs you have to pay just to have it. There is a fee to be a member of the program that's very, very minimal. It's like $30 or $40 a month or something like that. Uh, but you make that up in your revenue that you're getting out of them. So if you do make a product, you make your own training program, you, make, you write your own book, um, you want to have a physical book on Amazon, you want to have an ebook. Amazon's a great choice. Apple is a great choice. Those are very, very easy ways to build products that you can talk to people who like your podcasts and visit your website, and they can go directly to that and and buy those from you so that you can continue to do what you like to do. Yes, I agree. 
Now, one thing I have not done, um, and of course, everybody would love on a podcast to get an, a, a third-party sponsor of this before. Have, have either of you guys done things like that before? Yeah, I actually, I want to talk about this because I think on an audio show, this is your bread and butter. You know, it's, I can't tell you how many times I've been contacted by sponsors that say, how much for a banner on your site? I'm like, dude, you don't want a banner on the site. I mean, if you really want to get to my audience, you want to have, you want to be a sponsor's show. You want to have me a spoken ad in the show. And there, a lot of people just think with banners, think with clicks, things with this, but for audio podcasting, sponsors is the way I think that if you want to make money with your show and do really well, uh, th- this is the way to make money with your show. If you have an audio show, especially sponsors. Um, yeah, it's, and it's actually really easy. You know, uh, the way I did it was I, I was doing computer repair. I did a podcast on computer repair. I looked at what products I'm using most in my computer repair business. And uh, pro- I, I was removing viruses all day long in most cases. So I said, well, what product am I using to remove viruses? And one product that jumped out at me as a great option for them to be a sponsor was Super Anti-Spyware. So uh, I contacted them and I said, you know, and first of all, I interviewed the creator of Super Anti-Spyware as a guest on one of my shows. So, you know, I, I, now I have a, a connection with them, a communication line. And then I started talking with their marketing guy and I said, hey, you guys should be a sponsor of the show. And I gave them a quote. They said, let's do it for a month. Let's do it for a month. And um, we did it every show that month. I talked about how I use Super Anti-Spyware in my shop, how it's awesome, and how you can get a discount if you listen to this show, if you contact blah, blah, blah. You know, and that, we had this whole little program set up. And uh, it, we got fantastic results. On a weekly basis, their marketing guy would, would email me and go, I can't believe it. Your guys, are, you guys are really devoted. They really listen. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's not that. It's just your product fits exactly what my guys need. You know, they listen to my show. So, uh, and I'm talking good about it because I use it and like it. And it worked out really, really well. That was just one. Now, because I'm so lazy, I didn't go <laughs> looking for sponsors <laughs> for the last couple of years and truly try to make that work. But if I really wanted my podcast network to work, I would either hire somebody or just go on a sponsor hunt and start emailing people like crazy. And guaranteed, guaranteed, guys, if you have a professional show, a good website, people will want to sponsor you. They will pay you money if you do it in a professional way. So... Um, we can get into more details at a different time or whatever, but just wanted to say, for audio shows, getting sponsors, I think that is where the money's at as far as uh, podcasting dollars. Yeah, and that third-party payer model is one that we're all familiar with. Uh, television, radio, you know, uh, with that uh, you watch an hour-long show, it's actually only 44 minutes long. The other 22 minutes are commercials advertisers sponsors and back in the old days of of black and white television uh your host would do a live read of the ad you know or they would say you know uh, brought to you by uh you know our dodge rally sports uh news anchor or whatever that uh, we've kind of gotten away from that as things have gotten more polished in uh, television and and to a lesser extent radio um Still, lots of people do lots of live ad reads in radio, uh, but in in podcasting, that's still right now the uh, the model that most people are striving for is is the advertising model, um, because people are so accustomed to not paying for stuff. You know, radio and television is we think of it as free. 
is not free. It's very, very expensive. Uh, but that ad is paid for by somebody else. So uh, when you the the people I've seen who have tried to charge for a podcast have have failed because uh, people. Uh, you get a very small part of your audience or or uh, just nobody uh, or people in general aren't interested because we're just not used to that. We think that uh, particularly in the internet world, everything should be free. So the the best way, at least right now, to make money on audio content, because it can't be easily indexed, you can't easily slip an ad into it, is by convincing somebody to pay you to talk about their spot. Now, I had one person one time on one of my shows uh, come and uh, ask me to do a spot. So we did uh, four spots for a month on that show, and um, I, I don't even remember what I charged. It wasn't much. Uh, and I said, you know, set up some metrics, and I just want to see how this goes on the first time. And the response I got back was, it's roughly the same cost per click as AdSense. Uh, so the, the what he spent for me... And the response he got back was pretty much the same he would get uh, for an AdSense ad. I, I felt okay with that. Um, and actually, since then, I've had two people contact me and want to give me money. And I put them off because it was in the time of my transition when I was moving here to Georgia. And I didn't want to take somebody's money and then not do shows for six weeks. So uh, those are the only two uh, brushes with uh, advertising I've had. And um, while I'm not opposed to it, I think you got to be really careful about how you do it. You got to do it right. Uh, you got to make it relevant. Uh, and it can't just, I, I think anyway, this is entirely my opinion. It can't just be you reading some ad copy that the company sent you. I think those ads are uh, of little value to the listener or to the, to the customer. At that point, it has to be it has to be you talking about the product like you were talking about with Super Anish Bioware. Hey, I use this. I like it. You guys will use it and you guys will like it. And I know because it's a good product. And here, let me tell you the story uh, that came with this product. And that's the way to do it. Not just reading a uh, copy from somebody. I think that's the lowest common denominator of, of advertising. Yeah, the host mentioning a product and really talking about it, like Mark said, is, I would say, definitely the way to go. If you could swing that, definitely do it. And they might say, look, we already have this pre-recorded thing. Try to talk them out of that. Try to be like, look, let me talk about it. My guys are, are, will listen to me. Um, as far as costs, I was charging at one point, I think, $50 for every 1,000 downloads. So every, every 1,000 times my show got downloaded, if that sponsor's ad was in it, I would charge them 50 bucks. That was the norm about three years ago. I don't know if it's changed. Recently, I had a sponsor contact me, and I just I get about 3,000 downloads per show for, for my shows. Um, so the sponsor contacted me, and I said, 100 bucks per show. Just give me 100 bucks per show. And they said, fine. Immediately said, fine. So people are willing to spend money. Don't undercut yourself, but try to do it based on how many downloads you get. Um, and like I said, the norm was about 50 bucks per thousand downloads and I would shoot for that. That's, that sounds like a nice number. Yeah. They call that number, the CPN, the cost per mill mill being the, uh, Latin uh, word for a thousand. So the CPM rate, um, right now for an ad, the CPM, the, the average market rate is in the neighborhood of $20, uh, per CPM, so twenty twenty dollars per thousand. Uh, some of your really big guys, uh, Leo Laporte, Re Revision Three, some of those guys can demand that forty or to fifty range. But that that number has really been driven down in the last few years. So that right now it's I, between I sixteen and twenty dollars. I say go for it. Still, 
Right. I mean, yeah. There's, there's no, there's no, there's no reason you. why. There's no reason why. Who's, where'd you hear that number is driven down, Mark? Uh, it was a, a big article I, that came out uh, just like two months ago uh, that really broke down all the, the numbers from uh, these uh, major ad networks. I, I, I'll try uh, to find it and post it in the notes if I well, can. Well, if you're not using a major ad network, chances are they didn't read that and ask, ask for I would <laughs> I would definitely ask for that. But Mark brings up another good point. Podtrack, P-O-D-T-R-A-C.com, was the site that Leo Laporte's network, the Twit Network, originally started using to make money in their shows. And that's what really got them on the map as far as financially, from, from my understanding. You know, I, I'm not there. But um, I even signed up with PodTrack. PodTrack won't even kind of look for sponsors for you, which is, this is what they do. They, they actually find sponsors for you. They won't even start looking for you until you have a, over 5,000 downloads per show. And that's the minimum. You know, they, they, they want... They want top 100 iTunes podcasts. That's what they want their market to be. But it doesn't hurt to sign up with them because you get a free analytics suite. And I did a lot of my tracking for years just by logging into PodTrack's site, looking at all my stats. They never did a thing for me, but I just used them for looking at my analytics and finding out how many downloads I'm getting. Once I got close, and I actually called them a lot. And I said, how about now? I got 5,000 downloads. How about now? And they're like, all right. Well, if you keep getting five thousand downloads, then we'll we'll look for you for spot. We'll look for sponsors for you. So there are humans there that are willing to work with you. And uh, if you don't want even want to go looking for sponsors on your own, sign up with a site like PodTrack, where um, they'll look, they'll find sponsors for you. They'll make the deal. They'll give you your cut, and you don't really have to worry about too much. But you got to have bigger numbers to to get in get them working for you. And just a word on stats. Um, if you're looking at your built-in stat tracker on your website, divide that number by four, and that's about what you're really getting um, from, from what I've read. The, the, when people sign up with um, a company that really does good, solid tracking, they almost always find out that they have about 25% of the hits that they thought they did. Uh, because you know it depends on how you track it. If uh, somebody downloads the first two minutes of, sh- of a show, does that count? Or if somebody downloads the the first fifty eight minutes of a sixty minute show, does that count? And there's there's different numbers of, of ways to count that. Um, and generally speaking, your your free metrics that are just like that come with your website, they sort of count all comers, uh, and and that may not necessarily mean a real listener. So the, the pod track and the big guys who that's all they do for a living, they have very sophisticated proprietary algorithms for deciding what a real download is. Huh. It's good to know. Oh, okay. Anything else, James? You, you look like you're about to nod off there. He got no, out I'm the Sweetwater catalog. We lost him. I did. I'm sweet. I was looking at mixers. Because <laughs> you've now piqued my interest, and I was actually flipping through this to see, does Sweetwater advertise on podcasts? And this would be a great opportunity, Sweetwater, for you to advertise right. on podcasts, I'm just saying. <laughs> Yeah, I say that all the time on on all of my shows. Like this, this isn't a paid ad, but if you'd like it to be, you can contact me, at Mark at elementop dot com. Um. <laughs> you kind of have to think that way. If you're gonna if you're gonna have revenue on your podcast, you got to think every possible way that you could think to bring money in. And it does. It needs to be not just any, any one of these things we've talked about. Maybe a combination of all these things working together. Do you guys have you know, a feel for, uh, Steve, since you've done it, for how many ads you want to do on a show? Uh, like a percentage of content being ad reads? Yeah, I, I, would do two, I would do two ads a show comfortably. 
you know, my ad reads, well, they always went more than what I expected. I, I promised the sponsor, I, I'll talk for at least one minute or at least 30 seconds about your product. And I ended up talking for like four minutes or something in some cases because I was excited about it. Um, I, you don't have to go to that extent, but I would be comfortable doing, you know, two ads, maybe two minutes each in, a, in like an hour show easily. That's people, people will have no problem with that, I don't think. Now, I think the best value in marketing anywhere in the world is what uh, Audible.com gets from Leo Laporte. He gives them 30-minute ad reads on some of his shows. <laughs> yep. hey, um, can we talk about donations? Because uh, that's, sure. that is a, a stream of revenue, but um, I'd like to say something about it. I actually don't have too much experience for it because I really don't <clears throat> really hardly ever ask for donations. I have a donation link on my site, and some people have signed up for it, because they want to contribute. But I, I'm always of this idea that donations are cool. I don't think you're going to make a lot of money with them compared to giving, selling something, giving them something of value, giving them a new toy, a new book, a new video, a new something that you sell them makes it more exciting and gets their exchange in with you. So um, instead of just saying, you know, please give us money, set up the Amazon link or create a product, I think people will be more responsive to buying a product from you than donating because they're, they're kind of getting something extra, an extra little bonus in there. They're getting something more than just the show that they just listened to. Because even though they love the show they just listened to, it's not like, it's not like going to the store and buying something. You know, it's, you know what I mean. Yeah, and I don't disagree with you. But there are shows out there uh, that make all of their money entirely off of donations and you know some of them support multiple families off of it but those are shows with you know 50,000 listeners and 70,000 listeners uh, right. and and you know 1% of those are going to uh, going to pay and so you're you making ma- you're making your money off of the 1%. Yeah. Can you imagine if they made a product they'd make like 10%. Yeah. So I I at, I like to hope that my content is so compelling that people want to go to my website, click the tip jar, and do a five or ten or uh, twenty dollar recurring uh, monthly donation. I would like to believe that my my inner Pollyanna thinks that uh, the world is good and right and perfect, and people will do that. But the reality is that I think two people have done that. Uh, you, you know, but Mark, also sorry to cut you off. The the only way really to get traction with this is to mention it every show, right. maybe two times per show. To really, I mean, my Amazon link didn't really start getting traction until I put it at the beginning of every single show. I talked about it in the middle of every single show, and then my guests would just bring it up randomly when I'm talking to them. Even though I didn't even ask them, they'd be like, everybody better go to podnuts.com slash Amazon. Right. So we were like drilling it in, and it really gained some traction. So anything you guys do, you got to give it time, and you got to keep it going because right. you can't just mention something one time and expect it to happen. That's not how it happens in podcasting. Yeah, and as I've said many times uh, on this show, I am the world's worst marketer. Uh, I don't think about that. I, uh, money is not the reason that I do this, and so I forget often to even mention that this cost me money to do. Yeah, you know, me, this, this, this is not a free thing. I use lots of free tools, right? We're using Skype, we're using Google+, but the, this costs money. I, I'm, I'm doing this on laptops that I had to purchase. I have a hosting account that I have to pay for. Um, this, is, this is not uh, a purely altruistic uh, venture on my part. It, it is costing me money, and I would like for people to help reimburse me with that sort of money, but I forget to mention it because I get to talking about the topic, and I forget to talk about the money. Yeah. 
I do too. I, I did too. My guests would constantly have to remind me. Remember to, remember to read the ad, they would tell me. <laughs> and James doesn't have that problem because he's all about the money all the time. Well, you, you put a business together, you think about the money. Yeah. See, that's the difference. You started out with a business. I started out with a podcast. That's, well, that's a big difference. So turn it into a business. Right. That's what I'm working on doing in, in, in my own way. Uh, I would like for this to, like I've said many times, I'd like for this to be the, the, the uh, occupation, the career from which I retire. Uh, but you know, right now, I do a really bad job of that because other than uh, two buttons that I think are about 30 pixels wide at the top of my page, there is no way for you to send me money. You know, you got to click either the tip jar or the Amazon link. And other than that, there's not even an option. And I didn't even have the, 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 the PayPal thing until listeners started asking for it. I would get emails from people saying, I'd like to donate to the show. How can I do that? And I was like, really? <laughs> you you want to donate to the show? Uh, so then I created the, the tip jar because people wanted to give me money. It's like they're, they're standing out there holding money out saying, please take this, please take this. And, and I never even thought that they might want to. Got to do some work there, then. <laughs> yeah, I'm bad at that. I really am. So you need to you need to find me on the street as I'm walking down the streets in downtown Atlanta. Tackle me and stuff money in my pockets if you want the show to continue. That's really the only way that's going to happen. Because otherwise, I'll forget. It does happen. That does happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's what is that? A reverse mugging? Is that a <laughs> a, a gumming? <laughs> Um, any other thoughts on that? I think we've we've done a lot there. We've talked about uh, AdSense. We've talked about affiliates. We, affiliates. We've talked about uh, sponsorships. We've talked about creating products. Uh, are there any other uh, streams that you guys can think of? Any other ways to, to bring money in um, to the coffers? Well, there's plenty of ways, the other ways to do it, but uh, we've run out of time. We'll have to do a follow-up podcast with some of these ideas and if other people have done this and you want to talk about what you've done, give us a call, leave us a voicemail, send us an email, let us know. I've been doing some work work on subliminal mind control, uh, and I just want to uh, put a track in at behind each of my podcasts that say, you must give money, you must give money, just over and over again. I haven't quite worked that out, but someday, once I get that figured out, I'm set. I'm going to have billions. Yeah. People don't mind being told, we'd like you to help support our podcast. If you want to do that, feel free to do it. Why not put it on as a tag yeah. at the end? Yeah, and that's that's really the smart way to do it. I have, uh, for all of my shows, I have an intro clip and an outro clip that I just append to every show. I really should go back and make a new clip that says, hey, if you'd like to contribute, here's where you can do it, and just automatically append that to every show. Um, These things, they don't happen on their own. Right. That's good advice. I should follow it. I say you finish that book and then just promote that thing. Yeah, that book. I remember that. I remember something about me writing a book at some point. <laughs> uh, I will do that. I want to. I do. It's. Uh, it's. I think. I'll 50- buy it. I would buy it. Uh, so that's right the now. thing. I'm not even selling it. It's a free book. I just want to want to put it out there. Oh, well, I would buy it anyway. <laughs> there you go. So you give me a hundred dollars in advance. And someday I'll finish the book. How about if that? If 10 other listeners do, I will. <laughs> That's Kickstarter style. <laughs> I wonder about that sort of thing. I, I've often thought about, you know, uh, those micro loans. You couldn't do Kickstarter because it's, uh, th- that wouldn't fit this. But doing some sort of thing like that that says, you know, I need a new mixer and it's going to cost a thousand bucks and just put it out there. 
Uh, or maybe you wonder about that. Door Door yeah. Geek did it um, with needing equipment to make Linux videos, and he did really, really well. So it it really, I think it really works good. Yeah, and of course the problem is then you got to give people something back, and that, uh, exactly. that's the problem. Exactly. <laughs> Because, you know, you can't just say, I'll keep doing the podcast I'm already doing. That doesn't work. I, I'm hoping somebody will start a Kickstarter to buy Podnuts. That's what I'm hoping. Well, why that's, don't you go ahead and, and plug that while we're here? You're, where is it still up on that site? Uh, no, it's, it's been totally been taken down, okay. so this is not good marketing either. But um, the Podnuts Network is still for sale. I'm looking for an enthusiastic person about podcasting who wants to podcast about computers to, uh, to take it over. And uh, just... Send me an email at mail at podnuts.com if you're interested, and let's do this thing. And uh, it's now down to OBO, or best offer, right? Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm willing to accept offers. It started out at $1 million. <laughs> oh, that would have been so nice. Yeah, I wish. Uh, okay. Well, guys, uh, go ahead and do your plugs. Not that we haven't done them all the way through the show, uh, but let's do that starting with you, James. If you need to look at any training videos for your IT training on A+, Network+, Linux, I've got Microsoft videos. You can find that and much more at ProfessorMesser.com. All right. And Steve? Um, here's some freebies for you guys. Go to my YouTube channel at How to Podcast Biz. Based on the site, howtopodcast.biz, and uh, you'll see half of my training videos for podcasting up there just waiting to be watched. So uh, go and uh, check them out. I think you'll like them, and hopefully you'll like them so much that you'll want to buy the other half. So, yeah, I was wondering about that. You put half of the, like the first five hours or, uh, or something yeah, like I that? Yeah, I put the first five hours in there, and then I got tired. I'm like, I, I can't do any more tonight. I'll just do them tomorrow. And then I just said, well... I'll just leave half of them up there and see what happens. And it's, it's all with me. It's all about lazy. Nothing is <laughs> planned. Nothing. Nothing is as smart as it seems. If it does even seem smart, it's just me being lazy. I put half of them up there. Didn't feel like putting the other half up there yet. And then so that's there's just half of them there now. That's it. And really, this is good stuff. You should go do it. I, uh, as I've said before, I purchased them as soon as they came out. I've watched every one of them. Some of them twice. Uh, it's good. It's a master class in how to podcast uh, Podnut style. So check it out. Thanks, Mark. Except Mark did not watch the marketing ones, obviously. <laughs> I watched them. Yes, I just <laughs> didn't do it. Uh, and if you'd like to uh, give me money, <laughs> the place to do that, I think I said that like the last three shows combined as we were talking about this. Um, the place to do that is elementop.com. Uh, you can find this show. You can find other shows on the network uh, with other uh, guests and other topics. And uh, it's all out there. It's all free for the takings. At this point, I have no uh, hope of monetizing. Nothing's out there. I'm just trying to make good stuff that people like. So I hope you like it. If you do like it and you want to throw a few dollars my way, the tip jar is out there. If you're out there doing your Christmas shopping uh, and you're doing some of it online, uh, go to elementopi.com slash Amazon, and that will be helpful. Uh, but mostly, listen to the shows. That's why I make them. I make them so that you can listen to them and hopefully enjoy them. So if you like them, if you don't like them, let me know. Go to the forums, uh, elementopi.com, uh, click on the forums button. Uh, there's a Podnuts, uh, not a Podnuts forum, that's at Steve's site. There's a, a Art of Podcasting forum. Uh, jump in there and let me 
know what you think or click the contact us button at the top. Uh, that's how we get some of the, the show topics for the show. You guys let us know what you want to hear about and we do it. Uh, but also it's nice to uh, just stroke our flailing egos when people say, hey, we like the show. So that's what we would appreciate you to do that. Every podcaster craves feedback. Uh, and that's why we all tend to obsess over stats. That's feedback. That's a way that we can know uh, what we're doing uh, well and what we're not doing well. So uh, give us a give us a hand there. And even if you don't want to um, ask a question or anything, just let us know you're out there and let us know what's on your mind. So you can do that all at elementop.com, and I forward that on to the other two guys. So any other last words of wisdom before we say goodnight? Um, no. All right. Uh, you think the wise guys would have something wise to say, but not this time. So for now, all I have to say is that ends this episode of The Art of Podcast.